Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Bell. Joining me this evening, one and only Jacob Terrell. Jacob, of course, was not here with us Saturday night when Harry and I did our instant reacts show. Uh, so we will dive in and get Jacob's reaction to the San Antonio match. We're going to talk about some El Paso locomotive later this later this evening, and we'll also, for the first time, dive into some Ted Lasso with the with the season finale dropping later tonight. So, uh, I mean, Jacob, first of all, one burning question for you: Where is baby Maggie? I need a new I need a new third chair for the show. <laughs> I thought we had Logan for that. Uh, <laughs> no, she she's it's it's bedtime for her. She. I think though, I think one of the times she made an appearance was because we did a live instant reacts. So it was a little bit earlier, and then I think the last one of the times it was nine o'clock. But I don't know why she was awake. I don't know why she wasn't in bed by then. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, Logan uh, just happened to be here that that one night. Um, he won't be here for too many other nights, uh, as far as the podcast goes. But yeah, it looks like we may be in search of a third chair. Um. You and I were just talking. Neither of us have heard from Earl. We heard we had like two messages from him on Saturday. And before that, it was two weeks since I've heard anything. And you said you had seen him in person. So uh, if there's anyone out there in the community that is interested in coming on and being a, at least a part-time third chair for the show. <laughs> I mean, we might even take Cole at this point. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it would be interesting to have that perspective. That's for sure. Um, because, I mean, you're going to be gone. At the end of July. No, so two months. Two months. Yeah, you're going to be on the end of July. We have no idea where Earl is. We know he's alive. At least we believe he is. So, um, yeah. I mean, we're certainly not going to end the show by any means. But we are in need of, <laughs> we're in need of a uh, at least a rotating third chair. So, um, I mean, you know, Jacob, what, what, what do you think the solution to this is? Is Earl alive? Is he dead? Are we going to find him on cops? Like, I, I think he's in a honeymoon phase. Maybe... Maybe by the end of July, he'll be out of the honeymoon phase. Um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll be right in the middle of the honeymoon phase and we won't have him all season. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I know. I mean, I will take a small step back and say uh, he did go through a major life change, some major life changes recently. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the divorce at the end of last year, uh, a new lady now with a kid. Um, a new job he moved um all since the season started basically so <clears throat> he does does have a little bit on his plate um i i have four kids and also am planning on going to the police academy so i don't know um oh harry ah, damn it, harry <laughs> you guys weren't here on saturday so harry was very unbiased Harry, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the instant react, but we had, Harry and I had a great conversation after the match Saturday night. So I'm sure you guys did. I did not. I didn't watch the match until, oh, uh, I think I finished it about one o'clock Saturday or Sunday morning, I guess that would be. Um, and then little, little known fact, uh, lakes are busy on Memorial Day weekend. Um, really? Yeah. Who'd have thunk mm, that? So, never thought. so I basically worked, I don't know, 11 or 12 hour days for, um, Friday through Friday through Sunday. And then Monday I worked my normal eight hour shift. But, uh, so yeah, I, I did not have a whole lot of time for United. And in fact, the game 
Um, I'm, I may or may not have watched till San Antonio scored the second goal and then fast forwarded till about halfway through the second half, just to see if we scored. Mm-hmm. And then I went back after I saw that we scored and did watch the second half. Um, I may or may not have fast forwarded through certain times when it was in San Antonio's half for a long time, because I did not care if San Antonio scored again. I just, <laughs> I wanted if I watched if there was action on the other end where we might score, but mm-hmm. that was it. So, my takeaway from the game probably isn't going to be as informative and yours as yours and Harry's was, but um, uh, we don't get paid overtime, Harry. He's a state employee. <laughs> I get comp time for it, which is also kind of nice because I get to take off. But um, uh, so yeah, I I should have gone back and listened to yours and Harry's talk on it before we recorded to give myself a little more insight. But I'm sure you can fill me in on some things that were some important things that were said. Yeah. So basically, you know, Harry and I took a look at the match and ah, uh, uh, Harry, he's saying that I watched <laughs> five minutes because that's all we had it in our half. The second half, mind you, we had the ball a lot. Thank you very much. We certainly did. Um, yeah. Harry and I were talking about it and uh, you know, you look at the particularly you know, the, from our perspective, how we played in the first half compared to the second half. And we went more direct in the second half. We did play so much possession. We tried to get the ball forward more. Um, we actually looked better in the second half, than, far better than we did in the first half. And one of the things I mentioned to Harry was that San Antonio's physicality and their speed, their first step, and the way that they all just crashed. You see, t- you saw two or three San Antonio players crash every single time one of our guys touched the ball in the first half. And the press from San Antonio, it's just like, it was just night and day. Like they played so much better than we did on, on Saturday. In the first half. Yeah. In the first half. Um, and, and, and yeah, it was just, you know, San Antonio, the quality club that they really are. Um, you know, I felt like uh, Kyle Colonna acquitted himself well, stepping in for Kalen Ryden. Um, I felt like some other guys did a decent job. Um, I mean, you look at the goals that were scored and, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's one of those matches where you go into it, defending champions, um, you know, always going to be a tough match. And uh, the first half is just inexplicable. There's no excuse for how we played in the first half. I mean, you can't go two nil down to a team like San Antonio and expect to come back. I I will say the two goals, one was, was a, a banger for sure. Um, so Earl is saying, Earl is talking to himself, talking to us in the third person, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, guys. Just letting you know Earl's alive. Just a little busy. With a taku emoji. Um, really? So that's Marlena. <laughs> I want to believe it's Earl. Okay. I'm sure it is Marlena, but I want to believe it's Earl. Uh, the taco emoji makes me think maybe he got a second job at Taco Bell. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, Could be. Could be. Taco Cabana, maybe. Casa Taco. Uh, a taqueria somewhere. I don't know. Um Anyways, as I was saying, uh, a, 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 just a great strike that, I mean, maybe if I'm remembering it correctly, and keep in mind, sleep deprived uh, after this weekend, so I might be misremembering it, but somebody, they're eating dinner from a taco truck. Okay. It's, it's nine o'clock, guys. Are you <laughs> drunk college kids? Or what do you, it's not, you eat dinner earlier. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth. Okay. 
So I, before you pull it up, I believe somebody's right in front of him. There's another person behind him that could yeah. have um, maybe stepped up as well. Uh, but the first guy was right there. He just has a nifty move, gets past him, unleashes a beautiful shot from outside the 18-yard box. Um, yeah. And see right here, Portillo steps, misses. Maybe Harry could be a little closer, but I, I, I think it's just a great goal. And mm-hmm. then the second goal probably could have been defended better. And my point is, neither goal am I like, oh my gosh, that was absolutely atrocious. One was kind of a wonder strike. One was maybe a lucky bounce. I mean, this bit of skill right here, mm-hmm. this touch right there, just beautiful, sets himself up. I mean, just just a, a, a really good shot. It goes between a couple defenders. Uh, Tembak is not quite up to it, but we just saw right before that a beautiful Tembak save. Um, the second goal here, this one here bothered me because just, I mean, just, we completely lose track. There's no marking there. Like he just steps out from the mass and no one follows him. I mean, I guess, but I mean, cause I mean, watch ball comes off of Sam and there's just nobody steps out. Like, you know, there's, you got there's nobody there to there. step out. He's you've got, you've got this Dolan, guy's you've got getting blocked. You've got Austin, this but they all have a guy right there too. Yeah. Except for maybe you could blame Austin for leaving his guy, but he's going for the ball. He misses the header. It takes a kind of a weird bounce off of Sam's foot, and then mm-hmm. it just falls kindly to me. That's that's more of a of a just the bounce of the ball mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah, this is the one that was called back for offside. See, I didn't see that one. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen that one. Yeah, that was called back. It's he's off. He's not. Yeah, it's not off sure. by much. But you know, I felt like Kelowna did a really good job defensively there, uh, slowing down Olawasi, who had been on a tri- who got on a huge break. And then here's our goal, which I thought was a beautifully designed play, and gets uh, gets gets Rivas in. It, it wasn't the same though. It Harry, it was not the same. Because that play got Rivas open. The other one, your player wasn't open. And then Rivas, sure, the header from Rivas takes a kind deflection for us. But it's a good bit of skill by Kelowna and Harry to team up there. Because maybe Harry, you could say Harry's shooting that and just kind of misses it, scuffs it, which I think is what happened. But Kelowna's in the right place at the right time and is able to... Watch this poor Aaron Dalling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I, I I disagree that our goal was the same way. I think there was more skill involved in our goal. Um, maybe we got a good break off the bounce from the goalie, but it was a wide open header for Rivas. And uh, and then Harry and Kelowna make good plays on the ball to get it in the back of the net. Whereas the goal, the second goal that we gave up was a defensive play that led to the bad break. And then, I don't know, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm just talking out my ass, honestly. Maybe it's maybe I'm actually being biased, but I think our goal was prettier than their goal, and that's what I'm going to leave it at. A little bit, yeah. I, I, I don't disagree there. I mean, Olawasi was, you know, he was uh, he was a terror all night. Uh, you saw him again there just a, just a minute ago yeah. uh, on another break. Uh, I mean, really, at that point, the game had opened up so much um, that we were 
really kind of shooting ourselves in the foot with how forward we had gotten. And that's how Oluwasi got in behind on that one. But, and then there was a, there was a foul there towards the end should have been an absolute red card for sure. Mitchell Tainer. Like, for sure. Did he Harry agree with that? Did, please we, actually, we didn't get it. We didn't get into that. On no. Saturday. Okay. Harry um, in the chat, I need you to tell me in your as unbiased as you can be opinion. If Tainer should have got a red card for that foul on. Oh, who was Santi. it? Was it Santi? That's right. Santi. Yeah. Just a, absolute red card coming in from behind, taking him out. Like, yeah. Should have been an absolute red card. Um, but so, and somehow he only got got away with yellow. I, I don't know how, but um, and there was still about 12, 13 minutes well, left, if I'm remembering yeah. right. And so that could have could have played a part for sure. I think um hold on. Yeah. I think one of the big things that so I saw a lot of people talking about, of course, Prince out, Sack Zach. Uh, that crowd was back because we lost because that's how they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was orange red. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take <laughs> that from a San Antonio fan, uh, which probably means it was a straight red. And it just flat out, maybe like a dark red, even if, yeah. if a San Antonio fan is saying it was an orange red, um, saying that it was the same old situation and same old team. And I, I, I will throw back that the problem that I have had with this team this year specifically is them hanging their heads before the RGV match Um, going down a couple goals or a goal or giving up an unlucky goal or whatever the case may be, they would hang their head and, and just seem like they give up. And that's a sign to me of giving up not only on, on each other and on the fans, but, but on the coach too. And so if, if they would have done that, if they would have come out in the second half and it would have been like Monterey Bay where they just kept getting beat and, and we walk out of there, you know, four, one, Mm-hmm. Um. Then maybe I'm like ah, you know, I still think Zach should finish the year, but um, I, I would be a little more concerned. But with the fact that we came back, we fought, um, we ended up get that getting that goal. We kept fighting till the end. The San Antonio didn't have to me from what I'm trying to recall. San Antonio didn't have a whole lot of of meaningful possession in the second half. They had some breakaway opportunities that we saw both the offside call. And then that last one that, um, uh, what's the name? Sorry. Who missed that last breakaway? Uh, Yeah. Um, other than those, it's not like they had possession in that second half with real chances to score. It was just some breakaway opportunities because we were pushing so far ahead, trying to get that tying goal. And I was okay with that. Like mm-hmm. that showed me that they wanted those points. They wanted at least a point. And, um, and the fact that they were willing to do that instead of just sitting back or, or kind of waving the white flag and getting run over. Uh, the fact that this was after the first half, if you'd have told me this game finished two one, I probably would have been happy with that. Um, and so, you know, part of that might be San Antonio kind of sitting back. Um, and, and not wanting that possession necessarily. So they don't get caught on the break. That's could have been why we had more of the ball, but um, we still at least tried. We got some shots off. I think if I'm remembering correctly, 10, 10 or 15 minutes into the second half, we had five shots compared to zero in the first half. Yeah, it was pretty close to that. I, I want to so, say our first shot was somewhere around like the 48th, 49th minute. 
I know at one point we had five and it wasn't that far into the second half. So it definitely was a tale of two halves, which you can't have if you're going to be a consistent team. Mm-hmm. But um, I think going into San Antonio and at least putting up that fight in the, the second half gave me some level of optimism for uh, Devin Sandoval night. Yeah. And again, we talked about it last week. You know, San Antonio is the defending champions. They came in, they've been dealing with some injury issues. They've brought in a number of players here the past couple months to help deal with some of that. I mean, clearly their, their front office is spending money to bring some guys in that are making differences for San Antonio on the pitch. And people get and guys getting healthy too. Pirano is back, Tainter's back, you know, guys who have missed some time. And so, yeah, I mean, we just, we got completely outplayed in the first half. And, you know, coming off of four league matches unbeaten to immediately jump to, to fire Zach, sack Zach, whatever, I think is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you, so, have to, had, you have to look at that in context of, again, we're playing the defending champions. San Antonio is on a pretty good run right now, aside from the, aside from the Detroit City loss. And so, you know, playing at, at Santa at Toyota Field, where we've done better recently. But yeah, it's just you have to take again, you have to take it all in context. And it I think this shows, you know, Zach made some tactical changes at halftime, put them in. The club went out and did it, and they fought their asses off for the last 45 minutes and had opportunities to to try to pull back a second. They just they just weren't able to do that even after picking up that first and cutting the lead. Now, I don't necessarily think anyone hung their heads in this one, but I do think that I, I do think that they we weren't reactive enough in the first half, anywhere close to it. So what do you attribute the first half to? Uh San Antonio. It's just it's like we were trying to do stuff, but San Antonio like I said I'll say in the answer rack show San Antonio's first step to every ball was quicker. There was one pass in particular I want to pick out. And I want to think it was a pass uh, across the field in our defensive half going to Harry. And instead of coming to the ball, Harry just stands there. And the San Antonio player just walks right in front of him, takes the ball, and, you know, cuts well, the ball and goes why? down the pitch. Like, why... Why why did we come out flat? That that I don't know. That I really don't know. I, I don't so, think it's a lack of motivation. I don't think it's a lack of a lack of preparation. Was it just 10 days off? That could be it. And, and there there were some there were some lineup changes. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, Santi came off the bench. Um Hurst came off the bench, which I thought was a Hurst. weird which Hurst I thought was weird for this matchup. I would have liked to have seen Hurst out there, uh, you know, given his size and, and his ability to, to work the hold up play a little bit more. Uh, now, obviously, the Kelowna change was warranted by the Kalen Wright and red card. But, yeah, I, I don't understand some of the changes. And it just it didn't work for us. Like, I would have rather seen Santi start. I would have rather seen Dreg Hurst start. But w- would that have made enough of a difference at this point? I, looking back on it, I don't know. And, and obviously, we don't know the thought process behind those changes necessarily. Maybe, maybe Santi was dealing with something uh, physical. Maybe Hurst was dealing with something physical. Um, I mean, part of me is like, yeah, that 
because I saw complaints about the changes up top specifically, and I understand them. But Weehan has looked good when he's been in there. Mm-hmm. Moreno and Rivas have looked good. Mm-hmm. Rivas had scored in four straight. Doling had a three assist night on top of or right after on the heels of a goal mm-hmm. uh, in the Open Cup. So I don't think you can really look at that and say we didn't necessarily put our best team forward. I think right. we have a few iterations of our best team. Um, I'm not sure why it didn't translate to any success in the first half, but correct me if were there any changes at halftime? I don't feel like there were changes at halftime. Nothing at halftime. We didn't make a sub until I believe the 60 till after we scored the first goal at least. Yeah. So, so the, the same starters looked good in the second half. Mm-hmm. For the most, or for half of it at least. So it just, it's kind of a, uh, to me, it, you just talk it up to kind of like you said, the defending champs in San Antonio. Um, San Antonio coming off a one goal loss to Detroit City, a game that you know they are, we were pissed about losing because uh, they severely outplayed Detroit City in that match. Um, and we, I don't think we were quite ready for their intensity, um, and, and took us a while to get up to speed. So I'm not freaking out about this. I think it, it almost kind of sets us up uh, a little bit better for a home match against El Paso. Um, an El Paso team that I believe has won six straight. And I will be thoroughly happy if we are the ones that end that, um, win streak and, and put a big L a big red L in the standings there for them. And so it is what it is. I think we bounce back just fine. And uh, we still get San Antonio here um, in August. So we shall see what happens then. And, and uh, by no means where I think we, I don't think we were played off the pitch for the whole 90 minutes, which means we weren't played off the pitch, even if it was for, even if it felt like it could have been that way at halftime. Yeah, I agree with you. There are definitely moments that we had we could have improved upon in the first half. There are definitely things we could have done better in the second half. But, I mean, even with the more direct play style, we dominated possession in the second half. You could see guys getting creative, getting more opportunities. You saw Santi get uh, involved once he came on. And, you know, you could see guys looking for opportunities to get that ball in, in the area. And, and yeah, I mean, San Antonio looks really good right now. Um, like I said, we do have the return match in August uh, when San Antonio does come back to the lab. But, yeah, looking ahead to Saturday, I mean, you know, back at the lab, Devin Sandoval night, El Paso lost their first three to start the start the season. They're now eight matches unbeaten. Like I said, six wins in a row. It's uh, El Paso surprising some folks. Like, I don't think any of us expect this out of, out of El Paso. And so... Looking in that, I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to be down going into that match on Saturday. I don't think there's a lot of reason to to doubt that we're going to come out and play well and play well at the pitch, uh, at, at, you know, play play well on our pitch at the lab and take it to El Paso, because there's a lot of things that we're still doing well despite the moments or you know the periods of time where where we aren't executing what what it is that Zach wants them to do. Yeah, well said. Um, I'm going to give my very short uh, preview for the El Paso match. 
Um, and I, 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 I think we win. I don't feel like it's close. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm doing this specifically for you, Jerry. So I hope you're fucking listening, uh, so you can put the clown music behind me if I'm wrong. But because um, I know how much you love that, I think El Paso is playing very well. Obviously, can't argue with the results. I do not take time out of my busy life to study El Paso games uh, when they're not playing us. Unlike some El Paso fans do when it comes to New Mexico. So that being said. I'm not going to give you an X's and O's reason why we break them down or why okay. we beat them. I think coming off the loss to San Antonio after a, a pretty good run of form in the USL championship, playing at home, which is huge, I think, this year so far. You look at our home matches, I think we're 2-1 and one, or 2-1-0. Two, oh, mm-hmm. two, two wins, one draw, and no losses. And those, even the, even the draw was... Uh, I think we kind of dominated that game against San Diego. So we have played much, much, much better at home than we have on the road. It's a rivalry match. We have done pretty good to really good against El Paso here uh, in the past. I don't, have we lost to them here? I'd have to double check that. I want to say we, I want to say we might have once. I'll double check that. I know we've drawn here, but I don't, I don't, I want to say we haven't lost, but I could be wrong. Um, and so I, I just feel in my gut that we we get hyped for this game and maybe El Paso coming off of two weeks uh, without playing is the team that comes out and doesn't step to every ball and doesn't get on that front foot. And so... I, I really do think that we just come out and, and we, we kind of take it to them. Maybe not scoreline like 5-0, but a game that never really feels in doubt. Yeah, going back to this looking here. Um, yeah, the, the time off for El Paso coming into this is really interesting. Uh, not having not played since the 20th. Now, you know, we do still have matches in hand and... I mean, really, Harry and I were looking outside. We're really not going to make up these matches for some time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a long time off. You know, we're sitting here talking about, you know, 10 days off for United. You know, was there some possible rust? You know, did, did that play into it? Um, and I, I mean, I just don't know. We went with how well El Paso is playing. I have a hard time thinking that they're going to be rusty like we were after 10 days. But who knows? I mean, anything can happen. You know, they've certainly got some guys who are playing extremely well. You know, a lot, still some familiar faces down there. A lot of guys that um, that we're used to seeing. Yuma, of course, will will be a factor in this match. Um, we did lose September second yeah. of last year. Yeah, I just saw that. So, yeah, I was looking through that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe maybe there's not an X's, no things. Maybe we. Maybe we outplay them. Maybe they outplay us. I mean, um, yeah, I really haven't spent as much time watching El Paso as I probably should. But, you know, they're just, they're playing really well. They're grinding out games. They're not necessarily blowing anybody out. They're not necessarily stellar defensively. You know, I think they have, let me double check. I want to say they have one clean sheet, two clean sheets. 
three. I do apologize. Do you have three? Four. Sorry. I'm scrolling through <laughs> here. I'm just I'm scrolling through and looking at this like, but I mean, they're not great defensively. You look at some of the games that they've lost. They lost to Sacramento, who of course you know top team in the West. They lost to Colorado Switchbacks, another you know top team in the West. They lost to Detroit City. You know, again, that was their three-match losing streak to start the season. Uh, two goals to FC Tulsa, you know, uh, another two goals to the switchbacks in the second time around. So they're, they're not they're not this powerhouse club, but they're getting results. And really, that's all you can ask for from, from your team if that's, what, if that's who you're supporting, is that they go out, they get results. It doesn't have to be pretty. doesn't have to be 3-0, 4-0, 2-0, whatever. You know, if you're grinding out one nil wins, two one wins, it all counts the same in the standings. You know, um, I mean, they are top seven in both goals scored and goals conceded. Mm-hmm. And where are they? Load faster. I mean, stolen the they're leading the team plus, with six goals. They're only plus six uh, in goal differential, so not not a a huge number there, but still. Still nothing to nothing to complain about. I mean they're they would be tied for the top goal differential in the East. Yeah. And they're only behind San Antonio, who has a seven nothing on their resume, and then Sacramento, who's only lost once. So um yeah, they're they're just kinda grinding them out, but doing it in a way that I could be sustainable, if I'm being honest. I don't much I hate to give them credit. Yeah, no, it absolutely can be. I mean, you've got goals spread around by guys, which is something that, you know, we typically, you know, do. That's what we've done this year. You know, our goals are spread around from the guys who have scored them. And, you know, you've got a guy like, you know, Stoliak, a guy who's been with the club for a number of, or I think uh, this is his third year with the club. I believe so, yes. Um, you know, so he he's the guy that he understands the systems that they want to run. He understands, you know, how to play his position. He knows it's where to get to be dangerous. And it's and his third so, year with the club, but it is his third coach with the club. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, yeah. But they're really in terms of like tactics, there are a lot of similarities between what we've seen. They're just doing, they're just doing better with it this year than they have. And so, you know, stolen yak, you know, playing up top, like he has been, I think he tends, I think they have him dropping down a little bit, almost like a, a false nine at times. Um, but I mean, he's, he's a guy that's dangerous. And you, when you've got guys like, you know, Calvillo or Herrera feeding them the ball, or even, you know, uh, Zacharias, you know, feeding him a ball, like he, he's going to get opportunities. And so, you know, he's a guy that we've talked about a lot over the past few years. So, I mean, they're just playing really, really well and they're getting the results that they want, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, looking at it, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I know Peter was on 1017 the team today. He said there that the team is expecting over 10,000 in attendance. Uh, hopefully, the numbers are a little bit higher than that. You know, being Devin Sandoval night and all. Uh, school is out finally across the state. Uh, you know, so maybe more families get out there, get out mm-hmm. on a Saturday night, go uh, pack the lab. Um, but I think this year, especially after the loss to San Antonio, playing at home is going to be a really good opportunity for the guys to get back and and really show, again, what they can do. Because you know we've got four matches here at home in the month of, month of June, um, which is tremendous seeing as how it's only our fourth home game of the season at this point. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, coming in, we're unbeaten at home. El Paso is unbeaten on the road. So, 
one of the others got to give. You know, I mean, I mean, I guess technically that we could both end up unbeaten still, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we just we have to be better out of possession. Number one, we have to be better at controlling the midfield, which is not something we did well uh, early on against San Antonio, and we have to move move to the ball and move the ball a little bit quicker than what we did. Um, because you, you know, El Paso's midfield is, is, is extremely strong. Um, and they have the ability to, to, to take that ball out of the midfield and go on a break. So, um, yeah, a couple of things just to watch for there on Saturday. You know, can we execute in the midfield? Can we maintain possession? And then, like I said, step to the ball instead of waiting for the ball to come to us and allowing El Paso opportunities to get the ball when really it should be us in possession. So, um, I don't know. How, you feel, how do you feel about going ahead and uh, doing our score predictions for that? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, I'll say... Uh, I want to say my gut says 2-1, mm-hmm. but I give you guys shit for p- predicting the most common score line, so I'm going to say 2-0. Two 2-0, now. Two now. Two now. okay. Uh, Robert, some people might agree with you. However, Earl is uh, who? missing. Who is this? Who is this? Yeah. Who's this Robert. Robert fellow you speak of? Yeah, that's Robert. Uh, Earl is missing. Earl is not here. So technically Jacob is greater than Earl. So, um, yeah, I, it's, this is going to be a tough one. It really is. The, this is going to be really tough. Um, I would not be surprised if we see a red card on Saturday. Um, always, always an option when all, yeah. El Paso, always especially if Yuma is starting. Yep. I mean, that, no matter where Yuma is, whether you know if he's in the stadium, there's a chance of a, there's a chance of a red card there. But yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I want to see us come out with two at the top. That's what I want to see. Play the ball, you know, try to play direct, get the ball forward, and yeah, it's just you know control the midfield. If we can do those things, I feel like we have a really good chance. El Paso's win streak, unbeaten streak, comes to an end Saturday night. One nil. One nil. Because I, I, I think we're good enough defensively to keep them out. Um, it's just a matter of limiting the chances for, for Solniak and you know, keeping him you know, on, towards the edge of the area because I think he's not as good from outside the box as he is inside. But, uh, yeah, I think that's where – I think that's what we have to do to win on Saturday. <clears throat> I, w- I will shout out one El Paso player that you have not mentioned – Mm-hmm. Uh, that has impressed me, uh, and that is Petrovic. Um, mm. They're one of their new attacking players. Uh, he has three goals and seven appearances, so he's not like lighting the world on fire, but his finishing has looked solid. Uh, he's put himself in pretty good situations. So, um, aside from from Slenyak, we do have have him, and and you mentioned some other names in there, of course, uh, to worry about. So it, it's it's not going to be easy. I just think we we come out on the front foot, much like San Antonio did uh, and kind of take it to him. And so I'm looking forward to, I will, unless things change, change, I will be there. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I may or may not be there. depends. I need to reach out to David Carl and uh, put in a question first. Um, you know, I, I, I sometimes have my kids and I, you know, I've, the club has been kind enough to allow me to, uh, to bring my kids and hang out up in the press box. And, you know, my sons helped me with, with my stuff. And yeah, apparently some folks were not happy about that. 
So got to find out if I can take the kids. If I can, I'll be there. If not, uh, I will be home watching the match, doing all my regular things from home. Um, but I'm hoping I can get out there. See you. I haven't seen you in a couple months. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, yeah. If you do, that'd be great. Yeah. Thanks since the opener, right? I think that's all. I one think I've so. Made yeah, to. yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, so we have no idea if Earl's going to be there. No, I've been to two. Sorry, have you, I been to two? I think you've been to two. Yeah, I think I made it to the first two, and then I missed the last one. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's. Uh... I know I was for sure at San Antonio or at San Diego. I think that's the only one I made. Okay. Because who are the other two teams? Orange County and Monterey Bay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I was there for either of those. Yeah, you may not have been. I don't think I was. So, so really looking forward to getting out there. It'll be a long day. Uh, I will. I will work until four, and then I will hop in the car and drive two and a half hours to get there. Uh, Get there shortly before the game starts, and then turn around and drive the two and a half hours back home and go to work Sunday morning. So, um, definitely. A long day, but uh, I think for Devin Sandoval night against El Paso will be worth it. Unless we lose, then I will be very upset that I did that. But but it's always good to go out and see see everybody and and uh, and be be in the lab for for a match for sure. Yeah, looking forward to hopefully being out there. And if I am, hopefully you know getting a chance to talk to Devin again. Uh, I was on one hundred one seven today, and we kind of talked about some of our you know favorite memories of, of Devin Sandoval on the pitch and. And I know we've kind of talked about it before, but yeah, we were talking about, you know, the first goal of the lab, fastest goal for the club. Um, Had a bicycle kick in there. Bicycle. Yeah. yeah. And then just goal, the first playoff goal. Yeah. Um, and then just, just a ton of things. Yeah. And, and, and the two talking about, you know, the opportunities to talk to him off the pitch, you know, the pressers and all kinds of things, seeing him, you know, out in public, you know, different places. So it'll be, I think it'll be a special night you know, for folks to get out there and, you know, see Devin and, you know, honor him as the first player to retire from the club. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess technically second, but, uh, Sully, uh, David. Oh yeah. David so not the, even the second, not even he's the second, like, so. he's like the third. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Uh, Kisavetter is, is, uh, apparently in real estate now, mm-hmm. according to his Instagram and Juan Pablo Guzman fell off the face of the earth. So, uh, there's been so hand- did uh so did Kenny. Kenny no, Kenny's uh, still playing. Is he? Is he? Still oh playing? yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. He's been playing over overseas. Um, okay. I've been trying to follow him, but I, I I reached out to him a while back on on uh, Instagram. He never responded. So. Oh no, he's he's definitely uh, he's he's semi active on Facebook, and has put in a lot of uh a lot of videos of him performing uh overseas and stuff so okay. um cool. tommy madden and ethan sampson i don't know mm-hmm. um solaire played for a few places uh i've been having this idea i want to run it by you real quick okay i want for you to come up with questions just united trivia questions mm-hmm. and then i want to challenge a fan hmm and if they beat me, they will get two tickets to a game or merch of some kind. Ooh, uh, okay. And there, there will be no funny business. I wanted it to be as legit as can be because I really, really do think that I've got one of the better memories when it comes to stupid details when it comes to this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to maybe put that out on social media. Um, 
Maybe we can do a video at the game. Uh, if you can have the questions ready by Saturday, I don't know. Um, yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe see if we can find a fan that'll, that'll uh, do it. If you, if you end up coming. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. We can certainly do that. Um, if we can't do it Saturday, maybe we do it like on the podcast next week. Yeah, yeah that works too. Um, I just, maybe I, if, in person would be nice if you're there, if not, maybe I can talk to somebody and see, put it out on Facebook or something, see if anybody yeah. wants to come on and, and do that. A uh, couple more notes before we move on to the Ted Lasso spoiler section. Um, Suggs had a chance against El- or San Antonio to pass 2000 career minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not get there. He fell short because he did not start. He came in. So if my calculations are correct, he needs 65 minutes uh, on Saturday to reach that 2000 uh, minute mile marker or 2000 minute marker. 20,000 uh, 20, minute mark. I, I got there eventually. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and so that's pretty cool. That's, that's huge. He's he, this year I, I've been pleasantly surprised with Suggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, I've always loved him. He's always been one of my favorite players and people uh, from the team. Um, Avid Hunter uh, grew up in Las Cruces. Uh, just all around dude is, has a son that's pretty close to my oldest son's age. Um, so I've, I've just always really resonated. He's, I think he's my age. I think we're both 34, uh, if I remember correctly, or he's a, a, a tick younger, but not by much. Um, and so just always really resonated with him. And for him to be close to such a massive uh, number in the USL just kind of speaks to his longevity and, and his ability to to keep producing and keep playing at a high level, um, even if it's not, you know, uh, even if it meant that he maybe didn't get called up to MLS or, or have another option somewhere else, it, it just shows, um, shows a tremendous amount of, of longevity there. And the fact that, you know, the last five years of those minutes have come with New Mexico United in his home state is just uh, an awesome, awesome feat. So just wanted to shout that out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Huge done. career milestone for Josh Suggs coming up. I was disappointed he didn't get the start. I will say I was kind of disappointed for two different reasons. One, I felt like he, um, uh, I felt like he would have had, a, you know, I really, I felt like he could have had, maybe had an impact on that match. And he looked really good the time that he was out there. Uh, also, just wants him to get the record, you know. Um, I, I'd like it. I agree. I think at home against El Paso on Devin Sandoval night, if he is to accomplish it on Saturday. Yeah, I think is pretty fitting that the two, the two New Mexico boys that spent the have spent the most amount of time here, uh, are the two that, you know, honored are going to be honored on the same night if if it happens and and I do think that's that's pretty cool. It might I don't think that really factored into the decision at all. No, no. no. Uh, but I I do think it's it's pretty cool if it works out that way and and uh, and so I'm kind of hoping hoping he starts and at least gets gets that 65 minutes. Yeah. It'd be really good to see him get that, uh, ahead of, uh, or, you know, in front of the, the crowd at the lab. I think it'd be a great milestone there. Um, so, uh, did you have any other notes? I know you said you had a couple, but I feel like I did, but I started talking and now, um, I have forgotten them as, uh, one does when you have baby brains. So, um, not the Suggs was the main one for sure. And then, and then the trivia thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, just, uh, just really looking forward to it. One second. 
Um, yeah, so absolutely yeah, looking forward to the match Saturday night against 7 o'clock out at the lab, Devin Sandoval night. Uh, ESPN Radio 117 is still giving away two pairs of tickets to that match. Uh, all you have to do, I'm going to hype it up here as well. Uh, if you're not following, I am a company man. Um, if you're not following the station on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, go all you have to do is just go follow the account. And then you get entered into the drawing. You can enter, you can follow each page and get one entry for each. Uh, first prize gets a gets a prize pack valued at close to $100, two tickets plus a $50 United gift card to be used. That'll get you shop. half a hat. <laughs> we'll I'm, just get you half a hat. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, you can use that though to buy a very, very special edition Devin Sandoval shirt. Uh, that shirt looks awesome of him with the bicycle kick, the aforementioned bicycle kick. Uh, so, question. When we get the stadium, does it automatically come with a Devin Sandoval <laughs> statue? <laughs> or is that something that will be added later? Because I feel like it's 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 there from the minute we open that stadium. And it's got to I... be him with dreads. None of this short hair. I love the short hair uh dev but but it's got to have the dreads um and and i don't know what position maybe it's him celebrating after that very first goal in club history um Mm -hmm. maybe it's him throwing the the 505 maybe it's him holding up the smith schmidt armband um just so many moments that you could uh you could point to for it but uh, it's got to be their opening day right I, I think I think that has to be I think that's being factored into the cost of the stadium and right. you know the, the layout of it because you know it's gonna be it's gonna be massive almost as big as the stadium itself. So. I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> but no, I, I think I think there has to be a Devin Sandoval statue, you know, just because of his contributions to soccer in New Mexico, his time at the club, you know, UNM, all that. I think it's I think it's a given that there's gonna be a Devin Sandoval statue. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and I cannot wait to see it and take pictures with it. And, uh, yeah, I just, he's, he's a legend on and off the pitch and we will, I'm going to hold back, uh, some Devin Sandoval talk until after, uh, the, the match Saturday. Um, and then we will, we will for sure talk about not only the match, but, but Devin and, and his contributions to this club and this community, uh, for the last five, can you believe it's been five years? Five years. We're in season five already. (laughs) Just kind of like I was thinking about it the other day. I was at Isotopes Park for an Isotopes game um, last Wednesday. Yeah, last Wednesday night. And uh, I was sitting there. I just, it was just me and my oldest, Zeke. And we were there. We were hanging out. We're sitting front row uh, on the third base side. And I was, I was watching the game. And then, you know, in between innings when Zeke wasn't wanting to go get popcorn or, dip nuts or cotton candy or go play on the playground. Um, I was thinking, man, I, I love, I have so many fond memories at that place, both for isotopes and, and United. But when we finally get a United stadium and whenever that may be, and, and I'm looking at it like, you know, man, I, at some point I'm going to be looking at this club, going to matches and saying, I've been, I've been coming to matches for 10 years. And then I was like, holy shit, we're halfway there already. Like the fact that it's already been five seasons and, um, you know, we've been fortunate to cover the club in some capacity, all five of those seasons. Um, 
we've been fortunate enough to go to multiple home matches every year, aside from the COVID year when we had none. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just been, been a blessing and, and been a huge part of, of uh, our lives. I'm sure um, it's, I mean, it's led to somewhat led to your one one seven, the team job that you currently have, yep. if not fully led to that. Uh, I think you would have got there one way or another. Um, but, but you, you being able to do that, uh, you know, me and you and Earl and Harry, um, fuck Robert, um, <coughs> uh, being able to meet and, and get to know each other and, and form friendships and bonds that'll, that'll last long after, um, you know, we're covering the team and stuff is just something that, uh, is, is a really big deal. And, and that is in large part due to Devin Sandoval is how I'm going to bring that full circle. And so, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have a chat about that next Tuesday. Sounds good. We will certainly do that next week. Um, but yeah, as promised, Ted Lasso discussion. This is something we talked about a couple weeks ago. Talk about maybe go. Yeah. So if you don't watch Ted Lasso, or if you haven't caught fully up on Ted Lasso, then you should probably just go ahead and leave now. Uh, and to those that are doing that, you know, uh, just want to make sure you guys know, uh, next Tuesday, if for whatever reason, neither of us get to go, maybe we do a live, uh, after the El Paso match. Uh, so you might check with our social media, uh, on, on Saturday and, and, and see, we'll post shortly after the match, if we're going to go live or not. Other than that, uh, we will be here next Tuesday at nine 30, uh, nine, 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 uh, sorry. Um, for a recap of Devin Sandoval night, the El Paso match, we'll look forward to uh, the next match with off the top of my head. I don't know what it is. Um, Tampa Bay. Oh, Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. So that'll be a good one. Um, So we'll, we'll kind of look forward to that. Uh, We'll probably have some other nonsense. We will probably talk about Ted Lasso's season finale by then. Uh, So catch up. Uh, If you haven't watched it, what the fuck are you doing? Um, It is one of the best shows on earth. And if you haven't watched it, trust me, you can stay and listen to the next part. There will be spoilers, but I've seen the first two seasons multiple times. Uh, and it is still, even on like the second and third watch, it's still one of the best shows on television. Um, so you can listen, you can hear our excitement, you can see what it's kind of about, and then you can go watch it. Uh, but if you have not caught up with it uh, up, into, till, up until tonight's season finale, uh, you should leave now, come back either Saturday or Tuesday. And until then, Somos Unidos. Now, let's get into Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Yeah, this is... Um, I, I don't want to say that I was late to it, but I didn't have an Apple Plus. You were late to it. I, 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 I don't want to say I was late. I didn't have an Apple TV. Like, I'd caught uh, season one a couple times, you know, doing various uh, Apple Plus, Apple TV subscriptions, you know, free trials, things like that. Um, oh, Earl coming in way late with a prediction of 2-0. Thank you for joining us, Earl. Uh, we are well past the prediction part of the show, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Earl, for, for chiming in there. I do appreciate the, uh, if it is in fact, Earl. Yeah. Uh, it probably is. Pro- again, it's probably more Lena. So, you know, well, um, I mean, I'm not putting it past it being, you know, uh, an alien at this point. Um, I don't, I, I haven't heard Earl's voice in over a week. So, um, I don't, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. 
uh, yeah, so it's a fantastic show. Like I said, we're using various Apple Apple TV subscriptions and free trials and things. Had- There's seven nights a week, Earl. And the one thing, the one thing <laughs> on your calendar every fucking week is Tuesday night at nine o'clock. <laughs> it's set in stone. It's been set in stone for three and a half years. I... I <laughs> Really? <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm with you. I am absolutely with you. Like, sorry, okay. Marlene. No disrespect to Marlena. Yeah, no. I like her. She puts up with Earl. That's saying a lot. That says a lot of character about her. Yeah. But Earl, you got to do better, buddy. You got to do better. <laughs> Monday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, hell, Saturday night. I don't care. You can always rewatch the game later. This is live. At nine o'clock on Tuesday nights. Hey, it's it's a calendar that you've been following for 30 years, Earl. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then it starts over. There's no surprises. There's really no surprises. And guess what? You're off on Mondays, are you not? So guess what? You go to work Tuesday. You record Tuesday night. Very easy way to remember. First day of work. First day to record every every week, every week, Earl. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's yeah. not a defense. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, no. Back you're dead last time. In fact, I might just mute Earl. You can. You are perfectly fine. Um, no, and it's a similar discussion you know, that I've had. It's like you know, this is this is what I do on Tuesday nights. You know, it, it's there's a there's an understanding. Okay, so he's been working much. Sorry, the second day you go to work then. <laughs> Either way, Earl, we have been Tuesday nights for the past three and a half, four years. We have been doing this show. To be fair, I don't think he was on it when we first started. No. So I th- that's why I said three and a half. Because I think we've, we've been doing it. Well, no, we we did it 2020, 2021, 2022, mm-hmm. and then part of 2023. So he's probably at like two and a half years. Maybe close to three, but not quite. Still, I mean, I mean, still just a lot, a lot enough that you should know Tuesday nights at nine o'clock are you're busy. You're just busy. (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to buy you a planner and I'm going to I'm going to take the planner and I'm going to mark every Tuesday at nine o'clock in big. Bold letters. Somos Mas Pod. And I'm going to hand it to you and you will use that. And maybe then maybe. You will make it on a Tuesday night pod again without pink eye. So let's see, Earl. I no, know it, for- it is okay. I don't care about Earl because David David brought up Ted Lasso and we're moving on to Ted Lasso. Earl's yeah. been on a long time. That's all we need to know. David asks, is this the Ted Lasso pregame show? Uh, <laughs> and it is. It really is. It's gonna it be is. apparently two minutes long because we only have two minutes till the premiere, but um it is a, it, it's. So if you're not caught up on season three, like the, the, the story arcs in season three have just been like out there. Now you and I were talking the other day about the whole, you know, Ibra storyline, you know, with, with Zava and then, yeah. you know, like Zava was there for all of, you know, two episodes, three episodes, and he's just gone. Um, I mean, much you know, like he, his appearance in MLS. That is, that's very true. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just like 
you, you look at it and like there's so much emotional stuff, like the psychological emotional stuff that they've been dealing with uh, since. I mean, really, you know, Ted's panic attacks, you know, from since season one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact that they actually dive into some of the mental health aspect of that stuff and then watching the growth and develop, development of these characters. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, uh, Samuel Bassanya, you know, Jamie Tart. Like, Jamie Tart's completely different from where no, he no, was no, in no, season no. one. It's Jamie Tart. Jamie Tart. Exactly. Even, you know, even Roy Kent, like, the, the characters are phenomenal. Like, in this season here coming up, like, tonight, here in about a matter of a minute and a half, basically. Richmond AFC are going for the title in the Premier League after being promoted at the end of last season. So after being relegated at the end of the first season. Yeah, after being so. relegated. So promotion, you know, relegation, promotion, fighting for the title. Like you know, it's Ted's evolution as a manager, Coach Beard. You see, you know, Nate. Does Nate redeem himself? Does so, he get- hold on. Okay, hold on. We're, we're like I know there's so much, and we've got like a minute. Let's, let's slow down real quick. Let's slow down real quick. <laughs> I feel like we need a little bit of structure to how we talk about this, just because I, I don't. I, I think we we focus on on the last season. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, David's David's going to watch now. David, <laughs> See you, David. enjoy. Um, we will talk about the season finale next week. Uh, I can almost guarantee you. Yeah. Um, the, there's been it's such a like brief overview of seasons one and two. Basically, if you haven't watched it, wife gets the team in a breakup, in a divorce, hires Ted Lasso, who is an American football coach, to come in and sabotage the team because it's the only thing that her ex-husband truly left. Uh, ends up falling in love with Ted Lasso because everybody falls in love with Ted Lasso. Um, ends up fighting for relegation. Ends up getting relegated uh, as Jamie the Tart. last day of the season. As the aforementioned Jamie Tart. Um scores against them for Man City to relegate them. Uh, actually, no, he doesn't score. After he, being, he, he makes the pass, yeah. uh, which is what Ted Lasso wanted to After do he was recalled on lo- He was recalled from his, recalled from his loan. Because, because the owner saw pitched. how close he was actually getting to getting to buy in, and she initiated the loan back or whatever you want to call it. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, gets relegated, comes back. The next season, they're in the championship. Um they have a streak of ties, including uh, Danny Rojas killing a dog uh, yes. on a penalty kick. Um, the shrink, a shrink comes in. Um, there's also a sacrifice to get rid of ghosts. Um, you will laugh hysterically probably four or five times an episode. You will cry hysterically once or twice an episode uh, if you have a soul. Uh, so I'm sure Seth has been nothing but dry eyes over there. Um, but I, uh, uh, on the other side, have cried multiple times. Um, they touch on divorce. They touch on being a dad, which, as many of you probably know, me and Seth already are dads. And we have, have talked at length about being dads and had a podcast for a little bit. Still, I guess, technically have the podcast, just haven't mm-hmm. recorded anything on it um, in a long time. And then obviously there's a football element. There's the England element, which I think is really fun. Um, there's an old guy that calls him wanker all the time, even though he likes Ted now, he flips him off still, even though he likes him now. Uh, just a bunch of little tiny moments in there that'll just uh, just get to you one way or another, laugh, cry, whatever. Um, the main storylines that I would like to talk about, if you're okay with it, are... Yeah. 
you mentioned it right there at the end. Uh, Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate is a character who in the first season is a kit man who has no confidence, has nothing really. I mean, he's just a kit man and he gets picked on. Um, Nate then gets transformed in large part because of Ted Lasso into a assistant coach that knows soccer has given him Ted has given him confidence to put his ideas out there. Um, and really was like the tactician of the group, uh, as far as coaching is concerned. Now my timeline is a little off is the end of Mm -hmm. the first season when Nate goes full on bad guy and he had a whole season of being a bad guy or was it the end of the second season? Uh, end of the, the second sec- season. End right? of the second season because yes. he, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. that's right. Because he's only been the he was only the West Ham coach this season. Yeah. So, um, eventually it builds up to you know Nate. You kind of see it coming, um, where uh, Roy Kent comes and is is brought on as an assistant coach. Uh, Nate re- kind of has resents some it. feelings about that, resents it, um, and then it comes down to Nate saying, "Hey, we should play a false nine. Um, some stuff happens in that game. It doesn't work in the first half. He gets mad, cusses at the players, or cusses about the players. Uh, they stick with it. It ends up working. Um, but instead of celebrating, he gets mad. He goes in. He tears the believe sign. Uh, he slams it down. And he leaves. Um, well, actually, we find out in this last episode that he doesn't leave after uh, tearing the <laughs> yeah, tearing the, the sign. Um, and then. Then Rupert, who is the ex-husband of the owner of Richmond AFC, mm-hmm. buys West Ham and then hires Nate as the um, head coach for for or the, the the manager for West Ham. Um, and so that's kind of where we are going into that. And then Roy, Roy well, was next so, so before, real quick, uh, Nate actually is quits uh, yeah. quits his position at West Ham because. Starts- well, no, I was I was just kind of bringing this up to the end of season two. Oh, okay. And we can tackle season three as a whole real quick. Okay. Yeah, we can. Uh, so and then also there's Roy Kent, who's a player. Um, when he first when it first starts, then he does get brought on as coach. He's probably my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes me laugh the most. Uh, his emotional moments make me cry the most because he's you know, stoic and, and doesn't show a lot of emotion. So what he does kind of gets to me. Actually, I take it back. Ted, Ted and his sons and moments are what gets to me the most, but yeah. Roy, Roy's are a close second. Um, he's got a relationship with Jamie where he hates him. And then, uh, they end up actually being really good friends. Uh, there's a scene, oh, in season two, when Jamie's dad comes in the locker room mm-hmm. and there's a scuffle and then, uh, Jamie's dad leaves. Who's a douche by the way. Um, and Roy of all people is the one that goes and gives him a hug uh, when all, after all that goes down and that, that scene broke me uh, mm-hmm. for sure. So um, Roy's another main character uh, that I think his arc was, was real fascinating. Not a lot going on with Roy in this season. Uh, there's some stuff with him and Keeley, but um, mainly he's just, he's a coach and he's still Roy. Um, then obviously you have Ted, and and beard and you know ted went through the divorce has the shrink uh is having these panic attacks that you mentioned earlier still a lot going on there so mm-hmm. so season three we start off they get promoted um like like we mentioned zava who's obviously kind of based on uh ibrahimovic uh, 
is involved here. There's talk of a super league involved. Um, I mean, there, there's a bunch of different things. So where do you want to go in with season three? Do you want to go um, to Nate, Nate what, line real quick? <clears throat> one person we've got to do Trent Cram. Ah, Trent. I, I, I love uh, the Trent Cram character. It's Trent, so much fun. Trent, Trent's my favorite, like kind of side character. Like, I don't think yeah. he's like one of the main handful of guys, but he is definitely, and then, I mean, Obisanya, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, I mean, what we really need to do. Colin. Yeah. What we really need to do is this off season, we're just going to watch one or two episodes a week. Uh, and then we're going to have just a breakdown of yeah. each episode. Uh, obviously that's being done. That was done mm-hmm. when the show was coming out by other people. But uh, I, I, I think it would just be fun to, um, to do that with you and, and, and rewatch it again because like i said i've rewatched yeah. it a handful of times already and so yeah no, we should we should absolutely do that um that would be a, a lot of fun like, there's just there's just so much to really like get into and break down but yeah talk about season three um yeah i mean i mean let's just start with you know season three which richmond has been promoted back to the premier league um you know ted lasso they you know they they clinched promotion on the last day of the season and you know they come into it and they're on quite a winning streak. You know, they do they're doing really well. And they're they're competing right there with West Ham, you know, obviously managed by Nate at this point. Uh hired away from uh hired away from Richmond after he presumably quits. Um and you see and you see, we find out that uh there's a story that came. I believe this was at the end of season two, beginning of season three. Trent Krim writes a story about how Ted Lasso had a panic attack at the end of season one in the match against City. Um, and his sort and, and Trent reveals that in fact that his source was Nate. Uh, as a result, Trent Krim loses his job at the paper and then comes into the club to write a book about the club. So you've got all these converging storylines. And so, like the buildup of the first couple episodes is the the kind of the buildup to see. The first match between West Ham and Richmond, you know, Ted versus Nate. Mm-hmm. And you can see where, you know, Nate has a bunch of conflicting emotions about it. And Ted's, you know, people kind of question whether or not Ted's going to, you know, forgive him or go, you know, go at him or whatever. And like the club is, you know, the Richmond players are all pissed off at Nate and after seeing the video of him tearing the sign, you know? Yeah. So, so the first half doesn't go great. Yeah. And then the second half, <laughs> uh, Roy and Beard at halftime think, you know what we need to do? We need to fire these guys up. We're going to show them the video of Nate ripping the believe sign down, ripping it in half and putting it on the desk. So that's what they do uh, against Ted's wishes. And it backfires in outstanding fashion and leads to multiple Red cards, maybe. Yeah, uh, I can't remember cards. if they're red cards. Yeah. And it basically just turns into a uh, a wrestling match instead of a soccer match, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just kind of backfires. So, um, let me ask you a question. Okay, we we kind of talked about that. Eventually, uh, I guess we could finish. Eventually, Nate does leave the West Ham job, and there's this you know conflicting things where he's got a girlfriend. Rupert invites him out, tries to get him to lose the girlfriend. Rupert, a known player. Yeah. Um, and uh, Nate quits mm-hmm. um, because he realizes Rupert's a douchebag and um, doesn't want to work for him. So he quits. Mm-hmm. And then in the latest episode, 
Um, he's working at the restaurant that his girlfriend works at, uh, Taste of Athens from the first few seasons. And Colin, the new kit man, Will, mm-hmm. and McAdoo. Yeah, um, McAdoo come in and say that they want him back at Richmond. They would welcome him back. Of course, Ted is not aware of this yet. Uh, They wanted to talk to Nate to see if he was willing to before they went to Ted. Nate seems into it at first until he finds out Ted doesn't know about it. Then he says no. Um, And then eventually Ted asks everybody. Roy, in typical Roy fashion, says, I don't fucking care. Um, uh, Leslie, uh, what's Leslie's last name? Why can I only Higgins. remember him as Leslie? Higgins, yes. Um, is is all for it, given second chances. Beard, quote, says, if you bring that bad man, back man, that man back, I will burn this fucking place to the ground. Mm-hmm. So obviously Beard's going to need some, some, a change of heart there. Well, Ends up the, getting... If- I was gonna say, yeah, there at the end of the last, at the end of the mm-hmm. the penultimate episode, you know, you see Beard go to Nate's apartment, which part of Ted Lasso's brilliance is the fact that he shows this video mm-hmm. to Beard of Nate ripping the sign and then having to stay under the desk while the team celebrates, and then having to stay under the desk some more uh, as the cleaning crew. Which obviously, can we talk about how bad of a cleaning crew if they don't <laughs> find a? body underneath the desk and did but, you notice did you notice too the one part he likes he like yeah he's the trash, the trash can out yeah yeah um, um and so yeah. and then as you mentioned at the end of this last se- this last episode um beard shows up at nate's apartment um and we get a lot of backstory on beard which so i was half in tears and half thinking it's beard so he could be full of shit Mm-hmm. And it could be like the scene in uh, Remember the Titans when uh, Denzel Washington's character is talking to Ronnie Bass, saying that he had twelve brothers, 12 brothers sisters, and sisters yeah. and, and then and then the coach is like, "Yeah, twelve brothers sisters? No, three. No, twelve Eight. sounds better. Eight, yeah. whatever it was. Twelve sounds better." Um, so it could have been something like that. It's yet to be seen. But if it's true, my God, does it just show the heart of gold that Ted Lasso has? Yeah. Um, Basically, this story was Beard's in jail. He gets out. Nobody wants anything to do with him. Ted brings him in. He steals Ted's car. And then Ted convinces the officers that he lent him the car so he doesn't get arrested and Mm -hmm. and sent back to jail on parole uh, because of a parole violation. And and so because of that, Beard basically agrees to give Nate a second chance. Uh, Nate asks him to headbutt him, which I thought was hilarious because I wish he would have. Beard slowly brings him in and goes forehead to forehead uh, and then gives him a hug and tells him Monday morning at whatever time. Mm -hmm. The question that I have for you is, does Nate's character deserve this redemption arc? Not necessarily the person, obviously, where I I can't speak for you, I guess, but I am a fan of Second Chances. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, I will tell you that at the end of season two, there was not a character in movie or television that I hated more than Nathan Shelley. Yeah. And that includes guys like Scar from <laughs> Lion King and uh, Julius Caesar's character from Gladiator. Was mm-hmm. it Julius Caesar? Yeah. And 
I mean, there's some truly awful people. Freddy Krueger, um, <laughs> just to name just to name three. Okay. Just uh, and if you were to show me pictures of all of those people, I would be like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. But then if you showed me a picture of Nathan Shelley in the last year, I would recoil at the picture and hesitate not to punch it. Mm-hmm. That's how much of a person he, how, how hated he was. Cause everybody could see that he was getting mad at Ted Lasso for no freaking reason mm-hmm. because Ted Lasso was what made him who he was. Yeah. And Ted genuinely likes the guy, loves the guy and mm-hmm. wanted him to succeed. So I mean, he takes his son to a West Ham game just to see Nate. Yeah. So does after Nate pulls the shit at the end of season two, sh- does he even deserve this arc? Or should he just remain the villain? Should he have just remained the villain? I think he has realized that he really screwed up. That's not what and I'm asking. I'm I know. Asking I know. As, I, so, as so a fan, do you the, think he deserves this arc or not? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. I think he does. You know, I think I think Nate Shelley, the character, realizes that that Ted genuinely, you know, liked having him there. He wouldn't have promoted, wouldn't have even given him the opportunity. And while he may have resisted bringing in Roy, I mean, you know, Ted's putting people around him that number one, you know, he doesn't know the game of football. He doesn't no, know it at all. And so through most of the, through most of the games, most of the episodes, all through, you see Beard reading books, you know, inverting mm-hmm. the pyramid, you know, the yeah. club. You know, all, so they're learning as they go. There's there's so, a really great scene in, I believe it's season one, where the AR puts up his flag for offside, and uh, a and, and Ted says me. Ted says. Explain to me how that was offside, and then he's like, "No, really, explain," because I don't, I don't yeah. understand the rule. Exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's you know, I, and I think Ted genuinely likes it. I think he was genuinely hurt by Nate leaving. Um, oh, for sure. But yeah, I, I think he comes back. I think it's, I think you know, Ted welcomes him back. You know, with no questions asked, he forgives him. I mean, Ted does, you know, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you've seen, you've seen, you know, Ted. You know, he's forgiven his mom. He's you know he's moved on from you know, the loss of he his dad. He does say fuck you to his mom. He does quite a way lot. more times than <laughs> I would ever get away with. Yeah. Just so you know. Um, no, absolutely. It's, but you know, you've seen the growth in Ted. You've seen him cope with a lot of different things, you know, the divorce, you know, being away from his son, uh, and all these things. And so, like, I think I, I think you know, I think I think Nate deserves the redemption arc. You know, and and whether whether Ted Lasso goes for a fourth season or not, like I think, I think there's a, I, well, I think it's a good, it'd be a good way to close it out if there's not. They do keep saying season three finale mm-hmm. and not series finale, so that gives me some hope that there will be a fourth season. So yeah, so we kind of, we've kind of talked about Nate. Uh, we could go on pretty much all night. So I'm gonna I'm gonna reduce it down to let's briefly touch on Ted's storyline specifically in this third season mm-hmm. um and and well i mean you kind of touch on it a little mm-hmm. bit uh in the past there too with with the panic attacks and the divorce and stuff like that that all kind of has to be said in order to talk about his his um his arc this last season he's a guy that um gets divorced basically because he's a in like a forever optimist mm-hmm. and is always bright and chipper um, we kind of learn in this last episode that, uh, he's basically his mom and that's kind of why he's always chipper is because that's how he was brought up. Uh, he, 
has these panic attacks. You can see him in this last episode on the verge of a panic attack a few times with his mom being in town. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great arc with him and the psychiatrist um, in season two where he grows a lot. Um, and then he obviously has a son mm-hmm. that uh, is... I don't know how old he probably Logan's age, maybe a little older, a little bit older. I think, I think he's somewhere around eight or 10. Okay. Maybe I think he's about 10. So just in, because it's fresh in my mind, um, I just kind of talk about this last episode and how he handles it and, uh, and kind of what it means for his character as a whole. He, his mom visits, uh, at, at some point at the end of the season, at the end of the episode, after the Man City match, that they end up winning, um, to make it go down to the last match day of the season. Uh, he comes home. His mom's cooked him two meals, not just one. Um, and then he basically says, "Thank you for making the meals, but fuck you for dot dot dot. Thank you for this, but fuck you for this. Thank you for this. Fuck you for this. Thank you for this. Fuck you for this." so on and so forth, get some stuff off his chest, really kind of let you in on why he is the way he is, why he was the way he was before he got help with the psychiatrist. Um, And it's a really, really, really jarring scene to me, a really touching scene in a lot of ways. Um, And then, of course, at the end of it, uh, the line that just killed me um, almost to like ugly cry, not quite ugly cry. Now, it might have been ugly cry, actually. Um, he, he asks his mom if she has anything to tell him or something, something along those lines. Uh, and he says, she says, yes, your son misses you. Uh, And a crying Ted Lasso says, I know. Um, how have you felt like, obviously there's the, the coach Ted Lasso, there's the happy go lucky Ted Lasso. And then there's kind of the real, Ted Lasso that's um you know the panic attacks at karaoke and the panic attack at the end of the Man City game at the first season um your thoughts on just Ted Lasso as a character uh this last episode um you I mean I can relate to him because I have kids mm-hmm. uh you can relate to him a little bit more with uh with an older son uh, a little a son that's a little closer to to his son's age, uh, uh, you have been through a divorce uh, since we've known you. Um, what makes Ted Lasso great, and and how do you connect with him or not connect with him throughout the I seasons? Mean, uh, and, yeah, I mean you're and, right. Like I, and you can cry. Do I almost <laughs> cried? So you, you can cry if you need to. Um. Yeah, and I mean Ted Lasso as a character, like he just, you know, you mentioned that you know you and I both have kids, where you know all that kind of stuff. Like he's someone who's been through something, been through some stuff in his life. You know, losing his dad, obviously a strained relationship with his mom. Um, I think we find like they haven't talked in some time, and she kind of just surprises him by showing up in London, and yeah. and you know dealing with you know the the fallout from divorce and you know not seeing his son, and obviously you know moving across the Atlantic Ocean. You know, basically moving from I think from Kansas to to England. You know, and like, sorry not to cut you off. There is a if semi important side note in there. He basically makes this move to try to save his marriage. Yeah, 
um, because his wife had to be in the show. So she needed space. So she gave, he gave her, I don't know what the mileage is. Uh, Nate, Nate knew it, but I can't remember it. Um, and so then he moves and then obviously it doesn't work out. They still get a divorce. So sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and it's, so number one, you know, first of all, seeing Ted Lasso as, as just the person, as the dad, as the, as the husband or the ex-husband, the, the son, like, and, you know, dealing with his anxieties and, you know, the panic attacks and like, it, there's a lot there that, that I identify with as well, you know, um, yeah, obviously I'm not 2000 miles from 2000 plus miles from my son, but you know, from or either of my sons, but yeah, not you know, not having the relationship that he wants with them, not having their the relationship that he wants with his parents. Not like I think he does. He's trying. He tries to do the best that he can to kind of to please everybody in a way. You know, giving of himself, giving up, and you know, putting everyone else ahead of him. Because you know, again, you see him dealing with you know, the panic attacks, and you know, he comes into work every morning with a box of biscuits that he makes for his boss. You know, like. So he goes out of the out of his way for for the entire first season and a lot of the second season to really hide all of those issues. That's not until some point later. I think it's later late season two, maybe even early season three, where he says to the club, "Yeah, I have panic attacks. You know, mental health is a thing. You know, there's even like a press conference where they after one of the matches where they sit down and talk about it. And you know, like I said, you know, Ted Lasso as a dad resonates a lot with me. You know, given you know what he dealt with and you know the, the the personal struggles that he has with all that you know um you see him you know trying to move on with sassy and you know she doesn't want a real relationship with him and, and so like I mean, there's just there's so much and given his other relationships like that too kind of you know, to ted probably feels like abandonment you know like she's not he's not able to get the relationship that he wants from there that that does lead to a pretty funny sequence of scenes where she says you're a fucking mess mm-hmm. um and then he asks some people if he's a fucking mess and they all are basically like, yeah, Ted, yeah. <laughs> you're a mess. Like, but it's okay. It's okay yeah. that you're a mess, but you are a mess. And so, yeah, yeah. just, just want to throw it in there. Yeah, no, I absolutely. And then like, you see the scenes like with him and beard and you find, you know, again, we talked about, you know, beard's revelation at the end of the last episode and you find out more about Ted, like how, how, again, how he handles those relationships with people. And, you know, while he may push some people away, like kind of like what he did, not you intentionally did with Nate. But like you know, just how he's so willing and open to talk to people and try to figure things out, and like you know, he's so one of the one of the thing what he preaches is trying to make the best people out of the, out of the players around him, mm-hmm. you know, make them into better people. Um, and like it's just, I think his growth, like he he's, I think to me he's just, he's exhibited the most growth throughout all three seasons. Um, I will know. slightly disagree. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ted Lasso was a coach. I mean, obviously American football coach, you know, that's what he knows, you know, being thrust into an environment where he doesn't know, he doesn't know England. He doesn't know soccer. He doesn't know anything. He's learning as he goes, but he's still able to get, get the best out of his players. Now, is that entirely him? Probably not, you know, cause you have beard, you have Nate, you have Roy Kent, you know, he, he gives people opportunities to continually see improve themselves mm-hmm. and put them in positions to where they can, you know, feel, because, you know, you look at Roy, you know, when Roy leaves, he goes and becomes a pundit and he realizes like he misses the game. And so he, you know, Ted has always offered him an opportunity, you know, even when he's gone, you know, he has the chances to, he offers up opportunities for, for Roy and for the other guys to like be leaders uh, to the team. And like, he's just, 
even that eternal optimist is still there, but I think he has a better understanding of how to handle himself and handle situations around him. And like, he's just, yeah, it's, I say it's an incredibly like real character that you don't see often in, in TV shows. When what's, what's funny is, is in the, so, so the whole show is actually based off of an NBC skit mm-hmm. uh, for uh, little ads um for premier league uh because nbc has premier league and so um it, it basically the show and ted lasso's character starts off as as a cartoon like not obviously a cartoon but but just starts off as as like this cartoonish outlandish kind of character that's just all happy-go-lucky and all shucks type of guy mm-hmm. uh, and he has really developed that depth of you know, not just being this, um, oh, shucks, I'm going to spit sparkling water out because it catches me off guard every time I drink it, uh, <laughs> make everybody laugh, make everybody, uh, happy kind of guy. And, uh, and the only reason why I will say that he hasn't shown the most growth, I think through the three seasons, uh, is because there's a character named Jamie Tart mm-hmm. who is, is just night and day difference than what he was. Uh, the first episode of the first season. So, but I mean, that's not to say Ted hasn't shown a tremendous amount of growth. Um, and, and honestly, it might be, he might've grown more than, than Jamie. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to see, but there's, there's just a lot there. Um, there's just so much that you could go into Ted specifically, um, you know, the coach side of Ted, obviously he doesn't know the X's and O's, but he's smart enough to put people around him that know the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a good leader of men, um, despite what uh, you know you you might think of him as a tactician for soccer. With him not knowing the rules and stuff, he he's just he connects with people on a on a human basis, on a human level, and that goes a long way. And as somebody who's coached, obviously not a whole lot, but I've coached high school baseball, middle school basketball, um, a few times over. You know, it's connecting with players of all skill levels and ages and sports is, is probably the most important thing. Uh, there's, there's actually a great scene at the end of the man city match. This last, this last episode uh, where pep comes over um, and they actually get pep, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, they, sh- him and Ted shake hands. Uh, Ted says something. And then pep is like, Oh, it's not about wins and losses. It's about getting the, making the making your players the best person on and off the pitch and stuff like that, which it is, if I'm not mistaken, it's a direct quote from Ted Lasso talking in the season one mm-hmm. um, about uh, maybe just to beard, but I think it was to, to more people. I don't really remember. And so um, just a nice moment to kind of bring it around, which makes it feel like this might be the last ep- not last season. It's hard to say, but um, uh just kind of brings it full circle there and 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 you can see ted really does that i mean you get you get ted ted to get roy to come out and fix mcadoo at the mm-hmm. street ball courts you get ted uh burning uh having the sacrifice and burning stuff to get rid of the ghosts of the training room when danny Rojas is hurt uh you basically have him fix becca for lack of a better term as far as being an owner and mm-hmm. caring and because when when the season start when the show starts she's just a conniving 
evil kind of bitch, honestly, that just wants to watch the club burn. And he is able to win her over and turn around and, and get her to, to try and, and see the best in people and, and realize that she's hurting people by doing this, not just Rupert. Um, and, and he just does all these things for other people. And then you realize deep down, like he's doing all this stuff for other people, but he's really hurting inside for his own things. And, and uh, just, just the depth, this, what this show does great is, I mean, it, it, it tackles topics that are relevant. Uh, you have the Sam Ibisanya, um, uh, you know, uh, just shut up and dribble line from, mm-hmm. from somebody there in England. You've got Colin, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, why am I, I mean, we're <laughs> at this point, you already know he comes out <laughs> as gay. Um, so you have that, you have McAdoo being mad at Colin. Um, for not telling him. Yeah, you have McAdoo going in the stands to fight a guy who says the the uh, the worst F word, uh, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and you just have all these kind of relevant topics. You get uh, the Super League, like I mentioned. They just do a great job of, of sometimes they feel a little forced with these topics, but for the most part, they do it in a very organic way. They handle it very well. Um and then you've got just all these through lines of mental health and and dyna- the dynamics between players and the dynamics between coaches and players, the dynamic between coaches, uh, the dynamic between you know relationships. There's Keeley, who's a main character involved that dates Jamie and Roy and a girl. Um, uh, there's there's just a ton of ton of things that it does, and it just does like you think of shows that do kind of try to touch on all these things and they, they might touch on all things, but they might be kind of half-assed for some of them. But Ted Lasso hits like every single one right on the nail of the head and does such a good job doing it. And it pulls on your heartstrings in happy ways and sad ways and ridiculous ways. And, and just, they do such a good job of just men melding everything together. And um, it's definitely a show that, you will watch and watch over and over again, especially if they only make three seasons. I mean, mm-hmm. you could watch it once a year, knock all three seasons out in a month or, or so. And, and uh, I could see, I could see myself doing that uh, a bunch of times. And, and uh, it's just a show that is just, I mean, just chef's kiss, just, yeah. just perfect. And so we've got season three finale about halfway over right now, probably, uh, we will watch that uh, in due time. Um, you might watch it tonight. I don't know. Uh, me and Allie watch it together, so I got to make sure she's awake if, yeah. if we're going to watch it. So, um, but just a tremendous, tremendous show uh, that I'm. I I told you and Earl both about. Uh, I think after season one that y'all needed to watch it, and I'm glad that you finally have, and and we can actually talk about it. Yeah. And uh, we will we will be doing that more. We'll probably talk about the finale next week. And then we might not talk about it for a little while, but uh, uh, definitely want to do uh, a watch long kind of breakdown of a couple episodes every week in the off season, or um, maybe maybe even during the season. And and well, I'll be busy at this during the season from here on out. So yeah, so yeah, but definitely definitely something I want to do. And, and uh, I didn't mean to hijack the Ted Lasso part. But it, <laughs> no, that's fine. As, 
as the one who was like trying to get you onto it for a long time, I had a lot of thoughts that I needed to get off my chest about. Yeah, no, no, that's perfectly fine. And, and, and there, there are so many things to talk about with this show. And I mean, you know, we've already got, you know, we, I mean, we could talk probably another hour and a half easy, you know, just talking about, you know, season I, three. I, I could talk another hour and a half on like the first two episodes, honestly, like, right. Um, yeah. Just, just a tremendous amount of stuff in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and yeah, you, you know, if you're okay, we can table the rest for uh, yeah, another yeah. time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, well, uh, season finale, hopefully not series finale. We'll hopefully be watched not. at some point. Yeah. So we'll, we will definitely talk about that next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, you already closed out the official part of the show. You want to go and close out this part as well? Yeah. Uh, for those of you that stayed on to hear our talk about Ted Lasso, I appreciate you. Um, for those that just stayed on because you fell asleep while it was on. Um, or what I do actually is I fall asleep listening to a podcast that I like to fall asleep to, but then it ends up, if I don't set the sleep timer, it plays, uh, episodes after that. So maybe you're just waking up now. Uh, if that's the case, uh, hello. Um, <laughs> welcome. Uh, we're going to now end the podcast, even though you just woke up and, um, move on to something else you'll maybe uh joe rogan will be playing next on your podcast maybe uh uh, uh murder mystery uh side note i have talked to a uneasy amount of single women traveling out here that listen to murder mystery podcasts it's a it's a white girl thing while they are camping by themselves for like full time yeah um and and those might be the craziest people of all, but I digress. Um, thanks again for he listening, um, David, um, Harry, fuck you, Robert, um, Earl, uh, third person Earl, and Marlena. Um, all thank you guys for being in the chat. Not actually, not thank you, Earl. Uh, you're supposed to be on the show. Um, but uh, thank you, Marlena, for setting an alarm for next Tuesday so he can be on. I appreciate that, even though he's a grown ass man and he <laughs> should be able to remember Tuesdays at nine o'clock after three years. Um, anyways, uh, we went a little long because of the Ted Lasso talk, but um, that is to be expected because it's the greatest show ever made. And we will be talking about that finale next week uh, after we talk some United football. Um so tune in if you're just wanting to catch the Ted Lasso part. Tune in again next week, probably around 945 um, for the Ted Lasso part. But do join us earlier for the Mexico United talk, as that is actually our bread and butter uh, and what we would get paid to talk about if we got paid to do this podcast. Um, with that being said, next week, 9 o'clock for our normal podcast, maybe Saturday for a recap. Um and definitely talk about the last episode here where um, my prediction is they do not win the title. Uh, Ted Lasso does not win the title with AFC Richmond. That's my prediction. Um, and I think we'll be able to know if there's going to be another season. If they win the title, it's probably over. If they don't win the title, we're coming back for another season. But uh, we we will see. And so until next week, guys, somos leaders and be safe out there. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. 
All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.